0: Galatians chapter 5, let's read verses 16 through 21. That's where we're going to be at today. The Apostle Paul writes to the churches of Galatia. He says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, So that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar, about which I tell you in advance, as I have told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. I've got a lot to cover today, so I'm going to move right into this, beginning at verse 16, which again says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. When Hebrew people would discuss the way in which they were to fulfill the Torah, how each commandment applied to their life, they would call that the way that we walk. The Hebrew word is halakha. In your individual life, in your family, and even in our congregation, over a period of time we develop understandings about the commandments. We develop ways in which we believe that the commandments are best fulfilled in our life. And this is called the manner in which you walk out the commandments. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 is a good parallel verse here to write in your Bible if you make notes. 1 John 2 and 6 says this, The one who says he remains in him should walk as he walked. So if we claim to abide in the Messiah, if we say we have a relationship with Yeshua then we should walk as He walked. That does not mean that we have to imitate His steps, move our legs like He did, or put our feet in His footprints. What it means is we live out the commandments as He lived out the commandments. It's the manner in which we walk. Now, I believe in verse 16 that Paul was alluding to two texts in the book of Ezekiel. He doesn't quote them directly, but by mentioning walking by the Spirit... He is directing the reader to Ezekiel chapter 11, 19-20 and Ezekiel 36, 26-27. Both of those prophetic texts in Ezekiel, <coughs> Yahweh is the speaker. And Yahweh says He will place a new heart and a new spirit inside of a person. He says, I will put My Spirit within you and cause you to walk in My statutes. The Spirit of Yahweh is given to a person to enable you to obey the law of Yahweh. Being Spirit-led does not mean you follow your inner promptings. It doesn't mean you walk around and do what you feel or you think is best. Yahweh doesn't put His Spirit inside of you so that you make decisions on your own. He puts His Spirit inside of you so that you connect with His ways. Then you have a portion of Him living inside of you. And this causes you not to just read or hear the letters of the law, but it causes you to have a desire to be obedient to what you read or what you hear. This is wise, verse 16 says, that if you walk by the Spirit, you won't carry out the desire of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are sins, transgressions of the law. Therefore, walking by the Spirit is the opposite of transgressing the law. The opposite of transgressing the law is what? Obeying the law. Keeping the law. Being obedient to the law is then the Spirit-filled life. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, For the flesh, remember that's our sinful desires, our sinful nature. The flesh desires was against the Spirit. That Spirit is Yahweh's Spirit that He places inside the believer, the down payment, a portion of His Spirit. And then the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. So when Yahweh places His Spirit inside of you, it makes you, it causes you to want to obey. You want to keep all the commandments. You want to live a holy life. But you don't always do what you want, Paul says. Why? Well, it's because your flesh, your human nature... Desires what is against the Spirit, Yahweh's nature. And it's a constant everyday battle. Spirit, flesh. Whichever you feed the most will grow the most and carry out its desires. And so it is so important that you do things that cause spiritual growth. You pray, you read the Scriptures, you come to church, you talk with a brother or a sister about the Scriptures... You encourage people. You help people. You be kind to people. You share the law. You share the gospel. You give yourself to others. You be a servant. You don't just look out for number one. You look out for everybody else. You consider other people more important than yourselves. Just like our Messiah did. And when we do these things every day, when we do these things often, we're feeding the Spirit that Yahweh's placed inside of us. But if we do not do these things, we feed the flesh. I think that if we're honest... Some days we feed the Spirit, and other days we feed the flesh. If you are Yahweh's child, if you belong to Yahweh, on the days that you feed the flesh, you will feel horrible. You'll feel defeated. And this is because what you've been doing grieves the Spirit of Yahweh that is inside of you. You are His, so when you carry out the desires of your flesh it never makes you feel good afterwards. You can't just sin and not care because you don't belong to yourself. You belong to the Almighty. So anytime you sin, it grieves His Spirit. Verse 18, Paul says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. I think many people read that and they think, well, now that I have the Spirit, I don't have to worry about the law anymore. I'm led by the Spirit. Is that what Paul is saying here? Well, we just covered back in verse 16 how walking by the Spirit means walking in accordance with the law. Remember Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 11. So being led by the Spirit means keeping the law. So the proper interpretation of verse 18 is that if you are led by the Spirit and thus walking in accordance with the law, you are not under the penalty of the law. Why? Because you're obedient to the law. That's the understanding of verse 18. So, simple illustration. If I walk into a grocery store and I'm led by the Spirit, I don't want to steal and I don't steal. That means I put away the flesh and I follow the Spirit. The law does not condemn me. The law of thou shalt not steal, the Eighth Commandment, does not condemn me because I'm Spirit-led rather than (laughs) flesh-led. If you follow the leading of the Spirit, you don't fall up under the penalty or the condemnation of the law. And only those, only those who have the Spirit of Yahweh in them can do this. And then Paul names some of the works of the flesh in verses 19 through 21. He says again, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Some Bibles say they're evident. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery. Hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar, about which I tell you in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. The works of the flesh in verses 19 through 21 are all transgressions of Yahweh's law. You can find each of these works or sins listed in the books of Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. And I think I mixed up Leviticus and Numbers. (laughs) But you can find all of these sins listed in those first five books of Moses. Paul isn't making up anything new. He's not making up new sins. He's saying the works of the flesh, disobedience to the law, it's obvious. Let me name some of them to you. He doesn't give an exhaustive list here. The reason we know that is at the end he says, and anything similar, anything like this. The first three here on the list in Numbers are verse 19. Uh, Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. They have to do with sins that violate Yahweh's sexual ethic. Uh, Basically put anything outside of Yahweh's design for a male and a female to come together in love, in commitment, and in care. Yahweh did not create intimacy for frivolous use. I like to put it like this. Yahweh made Adam, and then He made Eve for Adam and from Adam. And He brought her to Adam. That was the first father giving away his daughter to be a bride. Anything outside of that design that Yahweh created falls under these categories here in the book of Galatians. So a man taking another man's wife, two unmarried people sleeping together, a person who sleeps around, friends with benefits as it's sometimes called today, men sleeping with men, women sleeping with women, homosexual practice, rape, all of these violate Yahweh's standard. Let me speak to the young people here for a moment who are old enough to do things on their own, but yet not married. And I don't just speak to those that are here today, but any of them that are listening by way of the internet, Facebook Live, anybody who might hear this for years and years to come after I'm dead and gone. I realize this is easy for me to say as an adult man who has been married now for 22 years, almost, right on the cusp of 22 years. Praise Yahweh for my wife. It's easy for me to say this, I realize now, but I promise you, That whenever you get married, you will be oh so glad if you saved yourself for your spouse. You will be forever thankful that you did not share that intimacy with anyone else. And you will also be thankful if the same holds true for the person that you married. I am not saying that you can't be forgiven if you mess up. We have all sinned against Yahweh in this building. We've all sinned against Yahweh. And don't let anybody hammer you with a law, young person, because that person that's hammering you, they can be hammered right back with another law in some other area of the law. But I'm just making an encouragement here to refrain from intimacy until you get married. This is something that Brother Matthew did not do. Many, many years ago, I messed up and did things the wrong way instead of the right way. And I obey the law of Exodus 22, 16 through 17, as Yahweh commands. And I got married and it's been great ever since. But you can be forgiven. I just want to encourage you just to remain chaste. If you ever need somebody to talk to, young men, you can come to Brother Matthew. And I will listen to you. And I will do my best to guide you. And if you are a female young ladies, seek out a trusted older sister in the congregation. One that will listen to you with kindness and respect. That's right. And the same thing goes with us married men and women who fight temptation in areas of sexuality. These are real matters that need to be discussed. Sometimes these are taboo. They don't get talked a lot about in church. But there are real matters that need to be discussed. Some of the discussions need to be in private because they're sensitive. And if you need help or counsel, brothers, you seek out a trusted brother. If you need help or counsel, sisters, you seek out a trusted sister. We must keep ourselves diligent lest at any time we fall away. We are bombarded on a daily basis with an unlawful sexual ideology in this world on a daily basis. I saw something the other day called Drag Queen Storytelling Time where parents would bring their little children to a bookstore and these men dressed in drag would read stories to their children. That's a direct violation of Deuteronomy 22 verse 5. It's an abomination. I was shocked that parents allowed that. But after all, the world does not go by Yahweh's standards so it shouldn't really shock me. So long as a large group of people agree on something in the world, they say, well, it's okay as long as the majority agrees on it. How many knows that a billion people can believe something that's wrong and it doesn't make it true just because there's a billion people that believe it? That's not all that we're bombarded with. We're hit with homosexual promotion on TVs, on billboards, and commercials. We're hit with the sleeping around promotion. Don't commit. Just sleep around. We're hit with a mentality of, don't worry who you marry because you can just divorce them in a few years. It'll be all right." We're hit with all of this in the world today and people love it all because it feeds the flesh. It feeds the sinful nature in men and women. It gratifies our own desires but it grieves, if we're a believer, it grieves Yahweh's Spirit that lives inside of us. As Yahweh's people, we are called to be set apart. We're called to be holy. We're called to be different by the law. People should look at us and see that there's something peculiar, there's something special, there's something righteous about that man or about that woman. People should see in us married couples in Yahweh, they should see an example of what marriage and love and togetherness looks like. Commitment through good times and bad times. A joy of love after 22 years like my wife and I or after 30 years or 40 years or 57 years like my grandmama and granddaddy before he passed away. My wife is my definition of beautiful. And when she turns 40 and 50 and 70 and beyond... She still is my definition of beautiful. I don't need what the world offers. I have everything that I need in her. And I think that she has everything she needs in me. (laughs) I hope she feels that way. She does. She tells me. Listen, men and women today become unlawfully sex-crazed because it feeds the flesh. A pretty face or sweet nothings in your ear do not last. People who feed on the flesh are not interested in serving Yahweh. Run away from all of this, brothers and sisters. Flee it. This world has nothing to offer you that is of any value. It will only bite you and chew you up and then spit you back out onto the curb naked and homeless and not care about what happened to you. You'll only end up in turmoil. Only Yahweh's ways bring life. Only. Husbands, love your wives. Love them. Wives, love your husbands. Be intimate with each other. But not only that, hold hands and kiss foreheads and scratch backs. I like that one. Scratch my back, honey. She bought something yesterday. I remember we was out. She said, wait till you try this. And she put something on my scalp and it was a scalp scratcher. She began to scratch that scalp and I said, I just fell in love with you all over again. (laughs) I thought the back scratcher was good till I recognized the scalp scratcher. (laughs) Smile at one another. Tell each other I love you. You are to make your spouse feel like the most loved person on this planet. Love each other. The next two things on the list are idolatry and sorcery. Idolatry goes back to the second commandment against making and worshiping idols. Idol worship was very prevalent back then in heathen or Gentile nations, just like it is now. Forming an image of something and then bowing down in homage to that image in worship. I talked about this when I preached on the second commandment. If you want more detail about that, you can see that sermon online on YouTube as well. But idolatry also includes when we try to worship Yahweh in a way that He has not commanded or sanctioned. Remember Nadab and Abihu? When they brought strange fire that Yahweh commanded not, Yahweh's commands mean business. And He punishes those that disobey. It's idolatry thinking that we know better than Yahweh. And then sorcery. Some Bibles say witchcraft. These are things that are listed in Deuteronomy, chapter 18. Things like contacting the dead, fortune-telling, casting spells. The Greek word that's used here is pharmakia, from where we get our English word pharmacy. Pharmakia does mean drugs, and it's used in relation to sorcery and witchcraft Because drugs and potions were and are often used by sorcerers and by witches. Now because of this, some people have the mindset that medicine is a sin. So the extreme view is that they never take any medicine. And then there are lesser views from there. And I believe that is the wrong view. And it's not really the scope of this lesson, but because I'm talking about it now, I want to take a moment to explain something that's very important here so that you understand. Now I learned this next simple point from my elder brother Arnold. If a merry heart doeth good like a medicine Proverbs seventeen twenty two, then a medicine doeth good like a merry heart. If one is true, the other has to be true, because medicine is put here in a positive light. Medicine that helps and does not hinder is never condemned in Scripture. Never. There are people who have mental health issues that are real, just as real as a broken leg or a brain tumor. Medicines exist today that help these type people balance out things in their body and be able to function normally. Any medication that helps you act normally and properly is not a sin to take. Any drug that causes you to act abnormally or sinfully is a sin to take. Now, there are certain drugs that are used in operations to knock you out so that a doctor can work on your body, and those things are fine. The doctor is there to save your life sometimes or help your body out in some way. So it's not a sin to be knocked out so that the doctor can remove your wisdom teeth or so that a physician can operate on your heart or on your stomach. But there are drugs that are taken that do nothing but wreak havoc in a person's life and they often lead to death. When people take these drugs, it causes sinful actions to take place, like sexual immorality, theft, and sometimes even murder. These drugs do fall under sorcery or witchcraft, and they should be shunned by believers. I have seen drug users steal from their closest family. I have seen drug users lose everything that they own I've seen them end up sleeping under a bridge after they lived in a 4,000 square foot home. I've seen drugs destroy people's lives even to the point of death at a young age. All of that is sorcery. Stay away from all of it. It is a work of the flesh. Then we have hatred and strife and jealousy and outbursts of anger and selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy. These sins will poison your body physically. (coughs) We are not to walk around with hatred in our heart or a chip on our shoulder, looking for an argument or a fight or something to complain about. We aren't to just look out for number one, as we say, but to seek to help other people and consider others as more important than ourselves. We shouldn't be envious or covetous of other people's belongings. And we shouldn't try to cause dissensions or lose our cool in the instant or get angry at one another. Anytime we do one of these things, we have given into our flesh and grieved the Spirit of Yahweh that lives inside of us. We are to be a people of peace and not turmoil. We are to seek to unify, not tear apart. And then we have drunkenness and carousing, and they go together. Drunkenness means drinking too much alcohol. Now, you'll hear me from time to time poke fun at some pastors in modern Christianity who teach that all drinking is a sin. And the reason I poke fun is because I learned it from Prophet Elijah who poked fun at the prophets of Baal. <laughs> I poke fun because it's ridiculous and it's humorous to listen to their explanations of certain texts. I once heard a preacher actually say that 1 Timothy 3 teaches that an elder should not be drinking too much fruit juice or sugary drinks. That's so silly. That's silly. Listen, drinking alcohol is not a sin, but overdrinking is a sin. Wine was given to make man's heart glad. It was not given to make you go out of your mind. A gladdening of the heart is permissible by the Scriptures, Psalm 104, 14-15. But a drunken stupor is not. Proverbs 23 explains it well. A drunk man ends up sleeping with silly women. And gets in a fight without even knowing what happened. A drunk man doesn't know his left hand from his right. Drunkenness is a work of the flesh and not of the Spirit. Listen, drinking wine or beer doesn't mean you're a spiritual person. I've had all sorts of people agree with me when I preach on alcohol or teach the Torah's position on alcohol, but they don't want to give me the time of day when I explain other things to them in the Scriptures. When I talk what the Scripture teaches about modesty and dress, or Sabbath keeping, or sexual purity, or a proper diet, or gluttony, I don't want to listen to that, but preach to me about how I can drink alcohol. <laughs> I once had a homosexual man tell me that he wanted to come to my church because I thought it was okay if he had a margarita. <laughs> I said, well, you are welcome to come and listen, but I don't think that you will like everything that I preach. <laughs> Drinking wine or beer in moderation is a liberty that Yahweh gives His people to enjoy. It is. Just like when you eat a good bone-in ribeye steak. You don't have to eat that steak. You could just eat vegetables for the rest of your life. But Yahweh gives you that to enjoy. Same thing with wine or with beer. He gives it to His people to enjoy in moderation. But agreeing with the Torah's position on alcohol doesn't make you a Torah keeper. I think a lot of people agree with me when they hear me teach on alcohol because they want permission to indulge their flesh. And I am not giving anybody permission to indulge their flesh. I do not believe in drunkenness. It is a sin. And if you try to act like you love the Bible because it teaches that you can drink alcohol and you ignore everything else, Yahweh says you are foolish and you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is coming. Now carousing, in verse 21, it, is, it goes along with drunkenness there in the Greek text. It refers to a type of party where people go to for the purpose of license or libertinism. Where anything just goes. They go to the party or to the club to get drunk, to use profanity, maybe to have illicit sexual activity. It's wickedness. It's like many of our modern day clubs. I, Used to hear my friends talk about, we're well, going out clubbing. That's a sin. There's nothing going on in those places that you need to be involved in. Right. Nothing. What we need to do as parents of Yahweh is we need to show our children that we can have a good time at Yahweh's feasts, at a wedding celebration, and we can do that without giving into the flesh. There's nothing wrong with celebrating, dancing, drinking, having a good time as long as everything is kept within the confines of Yahweh's law. But we must do everything in moderation. We must realize that Yahweh's rule of law needs to be number one even when we're having fun and having a good time. Now all of these things in verses 19 through 21 are works of the flesh which means that all of these things are transgressions of the law. The Galatian Gentiles were being taught by Paul that they should not follow their flesh and in verse 21, Paul says, this is the serious part. He says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. Practicing these sins will keep a person out of the kingdom. That's what Paul said. That's scary because as I go down through that list and as I was preparing my message, I see sins in here that I've committed. And that's true with all of you too. All of you in here has committed either one or more of these sins. If one doesn't get you, the next one will. That one doesn't get you, the next one will. How then will any of us inherit the kingdom? Now this is how. Grace, mercy, and repentance. And don't leave off any of them. Don't just say repentance. Don't just say mercy. Don't just say grace. Grace, mercy, and repentance. A genuine believer can fall into any of these sins. Did you hear that? A genuine believer person that is born from above can fall into one of these sins. Look at prophet Moses who disobeyed Yahweh. Look at King David. Look at the apostle Peter who denied the Messiah three times after he said, I'll never deny you, possibly the greatest of all sins. In a moment of weakness, you can give in to your flesh and grieve the spirit of Yahweh inside of you. That's why Paul said back in verse 17... That we sometimes don't do what we want to do. The Spirit inside of us wants to do something, but sometimes we step over here and we don't do what the Spirit is pushing us to do because we would rather in that moment give in to our flesh. We love that sin more than we love Yahweh in that moment. We want to obey. Sometimes we don't. Proverbs twenty four sixteen. Another good one-liner verse. Not all verses are one-liners, but this one is. Proverbs 24:16 says, though a righteous man fall 7 times, he will get up. But the wicked will stumble into ruin. Now, it is possible for a righteous man to fall into sin, but if he or she belongs to Yahweh, they will not stay in or live in that sin. If you are righteous, you will not walk way of life in the flesh. You will walk way of life by the spirit. When we give into our flesh and carry out the desires of our flesh, we must repent and then walk by the Spirit. Repentance means a sorrow for sin, asking forgiveness for our sin from both Yahweh and our neighbor if we harmed our neighbor as well, turning our back on sin and then walking in the way of the righteousness of the law. You say, Brother Matthew, I've done that. But the sin keeps coming back up. I keep finding opportunities for my flesh. I don't want to give in, but I'm weak and I need help. Brother Matthew, I need help. If you are wanting to stop and you're seeking for help, that is a great sign that you're Yahweh's child. Great sign. Some people go to both extremes. Some people are always living like they're on eggshells, thinking that any little thing they do, Yahweh's going to zap them right there. And then you have other people on the other side, they think, ah, grace will cover it, mercy will cover it. I think the truth is right there in the middle that Yahweh is a a vengeful, mighty one and He will punish you, but He's also merciful when we repent. We have to harmonize both of those attributes of Yahweh, but if you're wanting to stop a sin, you're struggling with a sin and you're seeking for help, it's a great sign that you're a son or a daughter of, of Almighty Yahweh. But if you don't want to stop and you're not seeking for help, that is a bad sign because you are probably not Yahweh's child. We can go through terrible times, even if we're Yahweh's children. We can go through periods in our life where we almost give up, but if you're his child, you won't be able to give up, because his spirit lives within you. This is where practicing those things that make you strong and the spirit come into play. People think that the deep things people think that the deep things are things that the Bible doesn't say. They'll say something and somebody says, Oh, that's real deep. And I'm sitting here thinking, I don't remember reading that. I know they said that was a revelation, but I don't remember reading that anywhere in the text. But it's deep, they think, because the Bible didn't say it. Listen, the deep things are the things the Bible does say. The black and white. The plain things. That's the deep things. The deep things are when you spend time in prayer like Daniel three times a day. Or morning and evening prayer. The deep things are when you fast. The deep things are when you, you come to Sabbath. The deep things are when you... When you read the Scriptures, when you study the law, the deep things are when you discuss the Scriptures with your brothers and sisters. You discuss the law to learn how to obey it more. That's the deep things. All that other stuff is just just trash. I don't want to listen to anybody try to explain to me what a verse means when the verse do not even say nothing like that. That's not deep. That's shallow. A lot of the things that people think are shallow are deep. And the things they think are deep are shallow. You cannot just sit around if you're struggling with the flesh. You cannot just sit around and expect to get better. You can't keep doing the same things that you've been doing and expect for different results. Somebody said that was the definition of insanity. Somebody told me one time. You can't. You have to change something. You can't isolate yourself and expect for the sin to go away. Yahweh gave us people to encourage us. You must do things that strengthen your spirit. And you must seek help and counsel from a trusted brother or a trusted sister in the faith. So whatever it is that makes you fall back into sin, cut it off. Lop it off. Get rid of the temptation. In a moment of weakness, phone a trusted friend. Phone somebody that's strong spiritually. Go for a walk. Cut off the TV. Put your phone away. Go by yourself somewhere out in the woods and pray and cry out to Yahweh and ask Him to help you through that difficult time that you're facing. And seek out the spiritually strong people around you for encouragement and counsel. I do not like it when I hear people say, well, all I need is Yahweh. No, that's not all you need. You need Yahweh, but you need brothers and sisters. One of the ways, listen, brothers and sisters, one of the ways that Yahweh has shown me how merciful He is is through my wife. Yahweh has given me somebody that is tangible. Somebody I can hug and talk to. And I see Yahweh through her. That's right. She makes me, helps me believe in the Creator. Because there is no way that somebody could do the things that I've seen her do unless there is a supernatural power. You need help. You cannot do it on your own. And it's not just pastors that can help you. It's all of us. All of us. We have different offices in the congregation. We're different parts of the body. Somebody's the nose and the eye and the mouth and the hand and the foot. All members have not the same office. But that doesn't mean any of us are less than anybody else. I told Brother Jerry, I said, Brother Jerry, you are smarter than I am in many things. And that goes for all of us. All of us know more things in certain areas than other people. <laughs> I was doing some carpentry work, and I'm not a carpenter. Oh, I'm not a carpenter. I wish that I was, <laughs> but I'm not. But <laughs> I try. I try real hard. And I can tell you what to do, but I just I have a hard time doing it. A lot of times when we do projects at the house, t- Tisha will tell me what to do, and then I'll know what to do once she tells me what to do. <laughs> But I told Brother Jerry I was hanging some rafters and I couldn't figure out how to do the right measurement. And I looked over at my wife and I said, just think. She didn't know either. I said, just think. Brother Jerry would know how to do this just like that. (laughs) And I have not a clue what I'm doing. So I just figured out how to do it (laughs) a different way. And it got done. But I'm not as smart as Brother Jerry in that area. That goes for all of you. All of you have areas that you excel in wisdom and knowledge. So we need to seek out brothers and sisters. That's what we're here for. Amen, brother. If you go through a struggle, brothers, you find a trusted brother. Somebody that's at a spiritually strong place. Call for the elders of the church if you're struggling spiritually. Sisters, seek out a trusted sister. One way that Yahweh helps us is through people. He places people in your life to be there for you when you are weak. Because I guarantee you when you are going through a weak spot, there is somebody in here that's going through a strong spot. And then next time, they might be weak, and then you're strong in the Spirit, and you get to help them out, and that's how the body of the Messiah works, and it is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I've been down and out, and discouraged, and depressed, and come to Sabbath service, and listen to Brother Jerry or Brother TJ preach, and my burdens will feel lifted because I get to hear the Word. I'm not always a spiritual giant. I struggled just like anybody else. So did Moses. So did David. So did Peter. They all struggled. They all had to place their faith in one that was greater than them. And one of the ways that they did it, one of the ways that helped them out was seeking people in the community, in the Torah community, that were able to to build them up and to help them. There is a difference, as I close, there is a difference between somebody who struggles with a sin and wants to stop... Versus somebody who practices a sin and does not care or thinks it's okay. If you are living in any of these sins, any of these works of the flesh that we talked about, if you're living in them and you get to the point where you don't care and that's just how it's going to be in your life because you like it that way, you will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. And the problem is not so much with the sin. The problem is... There's unbelief in your heart. You don't have the gift of faith if you're living and don't care about a sin. Some people say, Brother Matthew, you think that sins will keep you out of the kingdom of heaven? According to this text, yes. There are certain sins that you practice that you will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh because you are a practicer of those transgressions of the law. But, if you keep battling and you keep winning battles by the Spirit... Little by little, even if you fall seven times, you will get back up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get back up. He'll get back up. You'll go down and you'll fall again. And you'll get back up. And then sometimes, Brother Rocket will pick me up. And Brother Frankie will pick me up. Fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. Listen, let me tell you something. I've experienced this in my life. If you continue to battle and you continue to do those things that we've talked about that make you strong in the Spirit one day you'll fall down and get back up and you'll walk away from that sin and you'll never commit it again. You can stop sins in your life, but you've got to heed to the Spirit. You can't walk around doing things that feed the flesh. You've got to heed to the Spirit. If you're in the battle and you keep fighting, you keep getting back up, you are forgiven in the Messiah. And you will not stumble into ruin because you have a new heart and a new mind and because Yahweh forgives you by His grace and His mercy and granting you the gift of repentance. I love everybody here. Messages like these are not my favorite to preach, but when you preach through books of the Bible, you run into these and you don't want to skip over certain texts, right, Brother TJ? You want to just preach them. As long as you understand them, you want to preach them. I love everybody in here. I want you to know any time you can come to me for prayer. I'll do my best. I do not have all the answers. I know the one that does. I do not have all the answers. But I'll stick with you. I promise you I'll stick with you. Come on, and I'll stand by your side. Come on, brother. You are my family. And I love you. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. I'll pray and then we'll take testimonies. Father Yahweh, grant faith and grant repentance in our hearts. Give us those gifts so that we might be enabled. So that we might be enabled. Lead us by Your Spirit. When we stumble, let us not stay. Help us to get up. Pick us up. Brush us off. Love on us. Put us back on the path. If we say we abide in the Messiah, we ought to walk, even as He walked. Thank you, Yahweh. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yahweh bless you.